everybody. What's up? It's your girl, Maya Kay, and I'm so excited. Today's uh, episode of Keys to the Game is going to be fun. And here's what I, I love about God and how he does things. You know, I've been trying to interview Peter Parles for years, and it's because I grew up on CBS uh, soap operas. And um, yeah, my grandmother not play that. She didn't care that you were home for the summer. Uh, you had to watch what she watched. And so I am a huge fan of the whole CBS lineup, um, The Young and the Restless as the World Turns, Bold and the Beautiful, and Guiding Light. Um, to this day, Victor is like like my uncle in my head, you know, Victor from The Young and the Restless. And so um, I'm just very honored to have, uh, I, I believe that everybody may not like to be called a legend and we're not trying to date anyone here on Keys to the Game podcast, but I'm excited and I do look at it as a legendary moment because, um, and I'm going to try not to cry, you know, my grandmother passed away before uh, I came home from Korea. I taught for a year in Korea. And I know most of my audience knows this, and she died two weeks before I got home. And so some of my greatest childhood moments and why today I am um, a TV writer and a film writer and I'm, a, you know, a 12-time author is because my grandmother did introduce me to great shows. And though there some of them were adult-like, um, I was very wise for my age and, you know, I was able to enter this world. And so I'm honored to have... <clears throat> Peter on the show today. I'm going to introduce him. You guys know I like to do very unique bios, um, but unfortunately, there were just uh, some things. I think the the email that I sent was uh, sent late. It was read late. And so, but it's okay. We're going to do him justice. We're going to still, you know, shout him out. And like, I like to say everybody who's on a soap opera that I loved growing up, they're like my uncles in my head. They're like my family in my head. So, um, but Peter Parles is a native of Brooklyn, New York, shout out to BK, and an entertainment industry veteran with a career spanning more than 30 years. He currently stars as David Harrington of Tyler Perry's The Haves and The Have-Nots on OWN. He is also known for his longtime role as Dr. Ben Harris on As the World Turns, and also as Reginald Cornelius III of the popular TV series Knight Rider. I grew up on Knight Rider and MacGyver, so this is a big deal for me. Um, he is also, his work has earned him um, two NAACP Image Award nominations. His TV guest star credits include Seinfeld, Castle, CSI Miami, Law and Order, Royal Pains, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Charles in Charge, Star Trek, The Next Generation, The Facts of Life, and New York Undercover, all of which are shows that I watch. And his film credits include Death Before Dishonor and Real Genius. A member of the Writers Guild of America West, Master Media International, the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, and the Black Documentary Collective. In 2004, he became a member of the Executive Advisory Board of Heritage Luminaries for the New Jersey Black Cultural and Heritage Initiative Foundation. He has written and co-written movies, including Something to Sing About and The Climb, which was voted Best Picture at the International Family Film Festival in 2002 and International Christian Visual Media Awards Best Picture. Additionally, in partnership with, and I hope I'm not saying this wrong, I think it's Lafonso Ellis, uh, he founded 10 Talents Productions, producing Christian entertainment, including the Kids of the King Adventures, animated DVD, and comic book series. So I want everyone to welcome Mr. Peter Pearls. Now, am I saying your last name right? Because I was watching the reel, and I thought it was Pearls, but I heard Adrian Byline say it differently. The way you said it is fine. 
Oh, okay. That's, that's okay. the way I say it. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you. It's so good to have Thank you. I hope you, I did man. you some justice with that bio. I hope I, you know, <laughs> did good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, fantastic. I appreciate it. I appreciate good, good. So before we jump in, um, my first segment of the show, which uh, listeners have grown to love, is called In the News. And what I like to do is point out great news stories um, that really kind of have a positive spin. Um, we, we might get into a little bit of trouble with the second one, but it's okay because we love Denzel and Will okay. Smith. Um, but the first one is, especially because you are working with him, Tyler Perry's epic BET speech. I mean, it was epic. Um, and you work closely with him on the show. Tell me what that moment meant to you, because for my listeners out there, if you did not catch Peter on the reel, his mother was the first Black Miss Subway, which was a beauty contest in New York. And she was on the cover of Jet and Ebony. But Seventeen Magazine actually reneged on having her on the cover because she was colored. Um, Peter's father was also one of the first Black Marines. And I think that it is like, just crazy and and almost like there was a a mantle you know that was placed on your parents that you know are is now on you so i'm sure you could appreciate tyler perry's speech when he talked about how now one negro owns this land that was supposed to be a land for slaves to you know work and you know whatever to be owned so just talk a little bit about that with your parents being who they are and you know who you are and then his his bt speech because that was of course in the news for it's still in the news. <laughs> so just tell me a little right. bit about that moment, what it meant for you. Um, I, I think I, I'll say generally, just working with, with Tyler, his vision and what he has built, unless you're involved in it, you, you don't know who he is. I, I really only knew him as a filmmaker, but who he is as a humanitarian, as a business person, as a, I won't say politician, but just politically who he is in Georgia, the, the fights not only with Fort McPherson, but even certain other properties or residences that he has own, I don't want to put his business out there too much, but I understand. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where there was conflict over him as a black man owning certain amounts of property, mm-hmm. or people not wanting to sell out to him after they found out that it was him that was buying the property, and just uh, it, it's it's extremely inspiring seeing who he is, how he works, how hard he works, the hundreds and hundreds of people that he employs, the, uh, the millions of dollars that uh, he shares. And a lot of people, I certainly don't think I would be aware of it if I wasn't working I with him. And, and it's interesting, being here in Atlanta, there's a, uh, got one of my neighbors that uh, we were having a conversation about trying to do a documentary, maybe series or some kind of short thing, interviewing different people. There are a lot of people like Tyler who are building black businesses 
or own black, you know, major construction companies that people don't know are black owned, mm-hmm. um, uh, that are first in their area or breaking down. Well, you know, you hear the big sort of, uh, you know, Martin Luther King kind of people, but there are a lot of people locally in different areas because throughout the South, there are those kind of properties or areas or businesses where black people were kept out or held down and people have overcome those circumstances. And, you know, you become, you're aware of Tyler and the impact he has or, or what he feels because he had the opportunity to give this speech on BET. But there are a lot of people making that kind of impact. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be associated with him. Yeah, you know, you're right. Um, I remember when he talked about getting pulled over by a police officer. You're right about like when people know who he is or don't know who he is. Um, he never even pulled the Tyler Perry card on the officer and the officer was wrong. You know, he was in a fancy car and, you know, he he never pulled the card of who he was. So I definitely um can agree when you talk about being um, close in the sense of sometimes seeing it up close and personal and having spent two years in Atlanta, I know some of my opportunities came through, you know, other black business owners who were really trying to uh, pay it forward. Um, so yes, um, I appreciate that. So, all right, now this is, this. and if you, I get it if you don't want to comment, but I'm, I'm commenting. So in the news, everyone, y'all know how I feel. I let everybody be great. I don't judge. I believe we should extend grace, but my girl, Lena Waif is really starting to, you know, she's doing some things. For instance, uh, you know, she, uh, originally, with the whole situation with Jason and Tiffany, I left that alone. I said, all right, Lena, you still invited to the cookout. You just got to sit at the kitty table. Now she didn't come at, come at Uncle Denzel and Brother Will Smith. <laughs> um, and, and you know, you may not have heard it, but long and short, she just basically said that she feels like... Um, they should fund more projects. She said there's no way she would be making $20 million a movie and not funding more independent projects. And she feels like they're not doing, quote unquote, enough for the community. Um, and so I just wanted your thoughts on that. First of all, you don't have to speak on her per se, because I understand, you know, you protect your relationships in this industry. But do you feel like it's really someone's obligation to because they've reached I mean, people feel the same way about Oprah, you know, because they've reached a certain level uh, that they're supposed to do with it what you think um my whole thing was for they may not be funding so-called what you say independent film projects but the world is bigger than hollywood and denzel has gotten honored several times for his philanthropy work with the boys and girls club of america and beyond will smith and his son just did you know the water thing over in flint um and so just because someone isn't funding an independent project again so you say it doesn't mean that they're not helping the community um everybody chooses to spend their money where where they want um but i, I just thought her comments were just a little offensive um will and denzel are, are hard-working men and i i also felt like you know she didn't even acknowledge that tyler perry was doing some pretty big things maybe not independent films but he definitely has employed black actors so she kind of shouted out ava and said oh ava's doing it i'm doing it but who else is doing it i don't know i just i just felt it was this is a bit much like you know you you got one show on and you kind of smelling yourself a little bit um but you know i respect her i don't judge her she's allowed to have an opinion regardless of what but w- what are your thoughts on when people reach a certain status and you know people feeling like they should fund this or fund that you know, it's not necessarily true, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, 
my thoughts first off you don't know what they fund yeah um there's there's a thing um about putting your name on something that everybody isn't into. Yeah. Uh, I know Tyler has a couple different production companies. So you, you, you're aware of the ones that have the Tyler Perry name on them because that's a particular kind of branding that he has. But there are other production companies that it may not be advantage, advantageous for him to have the Tyler Perry okay. brand on it. Right. because of your perception there so he produces it under a different name right so maybe there was a personal issue where somebody yeah didn't want to fund one of her particular yeah. projects but but so first you don't know under what entity somebody might be funding other projects one two and what i think is really important like you said the world is a lot bigger than hollywood Mm -hmm. So, 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 where somebody's passionate, where somebody earns their money, is not necessarily where they feel led to spend or invest spend their money. Absolutely, so, they don't have to. Yeah, yeah. So you have to respect that, you know. Yeah. And and if you, um, you know, somebody like Tyler, I I, I think a, a big lesson that I've I've learned from Tyler is investing in yourself yeah you know um that you don't have to uh make the 20 million dollar movie if you if you build your strike tyler tyler does things that nobody else can do because he has built an infrastructure he has invested uh in himself and in his audience and um you can't you can't rely on, on on other people to do something and that's uh, kind of in the introduction you mentioned uh my father uh, yeah he he was he was very much my my dad had a dental lab his own business he's he a dental technician that he worked himself and he taught you know you can't expect somebody else to support you and your vision you do what you have to do to take care of you yeah and and there, there are opportunities to come together and and certainly um you know is it yeah so that's 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 enough yeah I, 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 yeah that's I, I tend to agree with you there. no 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 yeah, yeah you're fine and, and it's absolutely and and i love that we've already kind of touched on number three, which was talk about working with Tyler Perry and Oprah. Um, but I'm just going to jump into your interview now. Thank you. That was the in the news segment. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do three stories, but I think because I kind of I mentioned um, the real that was kind of like one of my stories, just kind of honoring, you know, your parents. Um, like I said, I believe that the mantles were there and they kind of, you know, it fell on you. Um, but the first question I have, um, you know, I, I definitely was made aware that you're a man of faith and um, as a woman of faith and a lot of the people that I admire in this business are people of faith. Um, one of my my uh, good friends here now, Karima Westbrook, who plays the lead, uh, Grace James on All-American. Um, we were talking about that and um, how hard it is being a believer. But as a man of color and a believer, how have you managed to fuse your faith with your calling in Hollywood? 
Um, and specifically, what challenges do you feel believers face uh, that others don't? Um, I think on the on the challenge side, um, you, as an actor, one you, you play characters that are not you, and um, I guess depending on how spiritually, you say man of faith. My background is Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my faith is Christian. There's something in the scripture, um, Galatians 1.10, in essence talks about if you seek to please men, you cannot be a servant of Christ. Right. So it talks about is your purpose pleasing God or is your purpose pleasing men? And I think the the challenge that other other people who are not Christians or whatever might have, they have a certain, um, I don't know what guides their vision, whether it's just success, but that thing of not letting people influence you in a industry that is very much about audience perception or industry perception, really staying focused on where does my father want me my heavenly father want me to be mm-hmm. what has he called me to do here whether people other people of faith agree with it or not you have to be really prayerful we talk about um my experience on daytime uh when i first went to new york i was on uh, one life to live and i played uh and i struggled with it the, the way I was cast into the role bef- before I was on that show, I was my thing was, you know, I've, I've never had, I've been in the industry, whatever it was at that time, 15 years or so as a working actor, never had non screen kiss, never had to do anything that was con- that I felt was contrary to my value as a Christian. And um, I got cast in this role that. Actually, the role I thought I was getting, they put me in a different role, and suddenly I was doing things I had a real struggle with it as a Christian. Mm. And I and I and I went to uh, the men's pastor at the church I was going to at the time. I won't I won't mention the church. And uh, I started to explain to him. I said I'm having a real struggle at work with the things they're asking me to do. And he says, well, where do you work? I said, I'm, I'm an actor on One Life to Live. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're out of the Lord's will. You shouldn't even be doing so, blah, 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 blah. That's just, that's no place for a Christian to be. And um, got absolutely no support. And then ultimately kind of said I wasn't going to do it. Got fired from the show. And uh, I said, I was never going to do daytime again. And an opportunity came up to do the character on uh, As the World Turns. I was like, oh, man, I don't know. But I, at the time I was unemployed, I said, I said, casting people move around. I should at least meet the casting director. So they sent me the audition scene. And the scene was a, the, a surgeon uh, praying. Somebody asked him, well, is there anything that can be done besides before this life-changing surgery? 
uh, life-saving surgery. He says to her, do you believe in God? Mm-hmm. She says, yeah, why don't you pray to God and ask him for strength to come through this? That's what I do. I, every time I start a surgical procedure, I thank God that he gave me the gifts and talents to help heal people. And I was like, oh man, am I supposed to do this or not? Ultimately, yeah. obviously, I ended up doing the show, but the way I won't, just because of time, I won't get into it. I was like, Lord, here's what I need. If you want me doing this, here's what I need. Because I know there's going to be a lot of people telling me you can't be a Christian and doing what you're doing. Mm. And I don't, and that's something that I think other people, people generally recognize you're different than your character. But as a Christian, a lot of people are very judgmental of the roles that you play. That, and I think that's something that other non-Christians don't necessarily wrestle. And I wrestled with that, and the Lord brought me through that, that issue of, okay, wherever he, as long as I know this is where the Father has put me, I'm good. Got it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things um, that I learned um, in general. Like, I remember I was on the launch team for the Hollywood um, commandments of written by Devon Franklin. He said something very powerful. He said, of course, you know, he's a minister and um, he received a lot of that um, from church family and, and family members. And he said, God's power does not stop at the door of Hollywood, you know, and we have to learn to understand that if we are to be the light in dark places, then we have to go into those places and be willing to be a light. So, um, but I love that. I love that you have morals um, and that you have those values in place. And to me, um, just again, you know, not to date you, but having a 30 year career, I think it's, it's awesome to, to see that you, um, people can see, because one of the things I do is I, I want listeners to see that you can serve God and go far. The perception is that when you turn things down and you don't serve God, you know, it's, it's like you're not going to get anywhere um, or you're not going to get far or as quickly as you like. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I have uh, there's a quote that I love that says it may take me a little longer because I'm not selling my soul. And so right. it's very true. <laughs> it's very true that you may not get there as quickly as you think but there's no guarantee that if you leave God behind you're going to get there quickly either um so that's one of the reasons why I love this platform because I purposely ask people questions about their faith about God and you know it's funny every person I've interviewed just so happens to be a Christian I didn't even like research that to see because sometimes they don't have to be maybe I'm sent to plant the seed you know um so interesting a little quick little point I'll add to with that kind of a restoration piece to that story. The character that I got fired from on One Life to Live was a neurosurgeon. His name was Ben, and the show was on from two to three. And the character that I got cast in on As the World Turns was a neurosurgeon. His name was Ben, and the show was on from two to three. Mm, 
look at that. Look at that. He will always, yeah. like you said, the restore restoration. I love Joel 225. It talks about God restoring the years that the canker worm and the locusts have eaten. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really a fan of that. So let's talk about the haves and the have-nots. Um, unfortunately, yeah. and, and you know, this sounds horrible because I'm interviewing you and I haven't seen the show, but yeah. I don't have own. I don't. I you know I have the privilege of having cable. Um, and yeah. when I when I do I have access to cable, um, it's like own is for some reason considered a premium. Well, no, I know why, but it's considered a premium channel. Um, right, right. But I have seen clips. So I wanted you to talk about how you decided to become a part of the show and how you feel it depicts uh, a positive representation for the black community. Um, so it, interesting, again, faith, faith guided into that show. And, uh, and this relates to a little bit to one of the other uh, questions that is a kind of a touchy question that you're asking about management representation. And, oh, yeah, your team, your team, yeah. Yeah, because I have always put my confidence in God and his direction for me. So my, when this opportunity came up, both my agent and my manager told me not to do it. At the mm. time I auditioned for this role, it was, the, the part was like, the audition was five lines. The character was the last character on the breakdown, the smallest part I had interviewed for years. And uh, it was, the character was, uh, description was David, Harrington, a, a certified financial planner, Veronica's husband. Mm -hmm. The deal, the initial deal came through. It was you have in the industry what's called a quote of what you should get, and it was less okay. than a quarter of what my quote. It was not a, a great offer, but it was Tyler Perry and Oprah Winfrey, and I had. I always wanted to work on a dramatic show with Tyler Perry and, uh, and Oprah and I was uh, and Oprah, you know, I said the two of them coming together, I said, I don't know what it's going to be, but I just had a feeling it was going to be historic TV. And in the midst of this, uh, Tyler had gone to uh, Potter's house, T.D. Jake's church, where my sister was going at the time in Texas. And mm. uh, she called me and she's like, we gotta get a hold of Tyler Perry somehow. We gotta get a hold of Tyler Perry. He was at our church, uh, the New Year's service that year, this is back 2013. And um, I just feel like there's there's something we've gotta get. She was trying to get a hold of him to maybe do some story on my mother. And um, she said the message, um, that New Year's message was, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I felt like that was a message for me in terms of uh, dealing with him. So in spite of the way I was counseled, and I had a previous experience that also um, just made me feel like I need to go how I feel I'm being led. And, and by the time I got to this, got the first scripts, the character was a, a judge, 
and a very significant, much more significant role that over the years the pay is not as much more than it was. You know, it's, it, it, the show's been ahead. It's been, it has been the best experience of my career. I'll just wow. put it that way. It's, it's, it's a hit show. You know, the, the, my agent manager's like, the, the network's failing. It's, just, it's not going to be around. It's not a good move. You're taking yourself out from other, you know, doing other network shows or whatever. But I felt this is where I should be. And I feel I have absolutely no regret. Like I say, it's been a, an amazing experience, an extremely positive experience. It's been a financially rewarding experience. We've got Come on, great God. fans. <laughs> The, the most the most passionate fans that I've ever experienced I've experienced on the show and I feel like my work in daytime even prepared me for for this role for this character so it, it, it's it's been great wow now um the season uh six it, it actually was only nine episodes now that's not a bad thing is it um so I, you know, I don't I don't understand how they do. Okay, so the season that just ended, when it was originally written, it, it was they they break it up for some reason. The network breaks it up differently than it's written. Got it. And when okay. we go in, we might do sometimes we'll do twelve episodes, sixteen, twenty episodes at a time. And they air it, and they might air it in episodes, like you said, nine or something. There, um, they they use. Oh, I, 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 this might give me a trouble. I won't say. They, but they, they use our show to launch other to launch other shows. So, so that's. I think that some of that is is uh, network strategy to try and get people to watch got it to launch they use we're the number one show for the own network got it okay and so shows follow us or come into our slot when they're introducing a new show it'll usually come in around our show and then they'll move it to wherever it's going okay but some of that it's just it's just programming strategy programming. not necessarily the way that that it's written or got even it. dramatically the way tyler writes the breaks they kind of mess with the flow of the story because they might break it differently than when it was original, the way it was originally written for the mm -hmm. break to come. So and also, yeah, and, and they do it with primetime, you know, with the winter break. When I was growing up, you just had your show and it was on from September to May. There was no winter break. Right winter season finale you know so you're right a lot of it has to do with programming and just verbiage and things that they've changed to um kind of i guess get people on board and, and it also gives actors a break i remember uh law and order a special victims unit svu when um uh olivia well detective olivia Benson, uh mariska hargitay was saying that they filmed sometimes two to three episodes a week and when you're on a procedural drama like that with all the running and you're being a cop, that's a lot. That is so crazy. So I can understand, too, for programming, but also to kind of give actors a chance to breathe, <laughs> um, especially if you're well, filming consecutively like that in a week. 
So, so the reason I say that my work in daytime helped me prepare for this experience, we, Tyler shoots shows faster than anybody in the industry. Mm -hmm. So we, we shoot a season in two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you can mm -hmm. believe that. So. Yeah, when I lived there, um, there were people, we all worked at Olive Garden together, but we were all chasing the dream. And there were people who worked with him and he was filming movies in 17 days. So right. I can absolutely believe that you guys are done <laughs> three weeks. So, so yeah, so 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 they're not doing it to give us a break. We got plenty of downtime. We have we have intense spurts where we do a sprint, get it done, and uh, and then he's he's moving on to the next thing. I, I get that. That sounds like that sounds about right. So because you're you're on this, you know, number one rated show on OWN and um, I'm pretty sure if it was on period, you know, if it was on like primetime or whatever, it would still be you would still be in that top spot um, amongst other shows, because what I feel is missing from Hollywood is a lot of family based shows. I tell people all the time I grew up on Family Matters, Boy Meets World, Hanging with Mr. Cooper and Step by Step. And white or black didn't matter to me. They were family shows that taught you lessons and values. And the Cosbys, of course. So talk to me a little bit about what you feel is missing from television today, especially as it pertains to shows of color. Or rather, what would you like to see more of? Um, okay. Interesting. I think the what's missing is those kind of family shows, and, and it's funny I say this, because our show is our show is not, I, I don't consider our show a family show. Our, family our show is so, it's like a, it's like a prime time show. So there's a lot of, you know, drama and craziness that happens. But I think those uh, family um, sort of value teaching kind of shows are missing. Yeah in entertainment and, and, and I'll say, I think it's, I don't know whether it's a reflection of the culture, culture reflection, reflecting media or how it is both. I, I think it's out of control, the, um, just the lack of positive mm -hmm. family value that there. I, I, I understand that, diversity and entertainment but i'm surprised that there is such a lack of um, things that teach or i guess and i and i guess maybe i have to say from my perspective um aspirational i'll say kind of entertainment there's a lot of dramatic conflict stuff yeah but, you know when you talk about shows like uh different world different world yeah or, family matters or stuff like like that it's um one, one of the i think parents have gotten dumber and dumber on television yeah yeah, and yeah. Kid, kids running the world and uh you know kind of helping the parents figure out life and yeah as a parent i think it's backward and harmful and, yeah but um so i i, I would like to see I think that's what's lacking. I, I would like to see, you know, as a person of color, more in, in intelligent 
can't drama. tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, yeah. there's, um, yeah, I, I, I would just like to see more leading. One of the things I uh, like about our, our show is the, the, that we have successful, it's got a good mix of uh, representation in terms of, it's framed in terms of have and have not, but just where people are, have aspired in a different kind of dramatic setting that wasn't a soap opera kind of setting. Mm -hmm. I think there could be opportunities for a certain kind of more positive, quote unquote, kind of messaging. Uh, one other thing I like, I really like about the way Tyler writes, because it's soap style and longer arc, you, you kind of, there's negative things happening, but you see the consequence of the negative play out over time. Yeah. There's a lot of seeing kind of God's hand in things play yeah. out over time. So that you won't see necessarily when you see an, an episodic show. It's you sort of have your beginning, middle, and end in message in one episode. Where for us it might play out over two seasons, you know, where you see that. But but uh, I would like to see um I think there could just be more like stuff that makes you think more black entertainment that makes you think rather than sort of things that make you or just entertaining make you laugh or entertain you and you know it's funny um just really quick i want to throw out there i write young adult fiction and one of my uh callings i believe is to bring those shows back to television and my book battling Breland um is about a teen girl who has lupus and she falls in love with a paralyzed a basketball player. He's temporarily paralyzed from an accident. Um, and it, I kind of describe it as seventh heaven meets empire. Um, some people say seventh heaven meets, uh, some people say seventh heaven meets uh, queen sugar. Cause I pitched it to, you know, MGM. I had an opportunity to do that. And, um, you know, they loved it, especially because there was a book uh, to kind of base the pilot off of. And so okay. I really believe that when you complain about something or you have an issue with something for me, I'm saying, cause I had an issue, you, you know, ask God to give you a solution. And I truly be, believe that series, the second book in the series comes out on my birthday, August 2nd. I believe that the Clover Chronicle series is going to be the modern day uh, lineup for TGIF, one of the shows that we had, like on, you know, Thank God It's Friday, TGIF, we had that ABC uh, lineup. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like really excited. And it's faith-based, you know, the fam that's why I said Seventh Heaven meets Empire because, you know, they're, they have, they're a billionaire family but they have issues and when your your baby girl has lupus and your money can't save her you know you start to really question god and you confront god and so yeah i kind of touch on all of those things and so i i do believe that that's what's missing from tv as a former teacher in philly i asked students why they didn't watch tv and the number one reason was because they felt like there was nothing for them so just for my listeners when you complain about children and their behavior and you know you say this generation is lost well we have to start to give them things that, that we had that were good you know they're they're lost and they're on social media because youtube is now their tv they don't go to tv to watch anything because there's nothing to watch and i'm not saying kids need to sit in front of a television but i definitely think that 
you know, for me, there was a lot of uh, educational shows as well. And so I think we have to give our kids, they're getting lost. Our teenagers and our youth are getting lost in the cracks of all forms of entertainment, including movies. And I think we have to, you know, be responsible with our, our anointing and our calling and kind of give them that. So just kind of wanted to throw that out there for anyone listening. Your girl has that content. If you feel led to, you know, uh, make an offer on, on the TV pilot. Um, we, we have to connect. You have to send me your books. Yeah, oh, that's, that's another conversation. No, but but no, you're right. And because God yeah. is leading me back to Atlanta, I just think it's like almost divine. Um, so you, I, you know, we talked a little bit about how you said your team uh, you know, it was kind of like, don't take this role. So what I would like you to do um, is give the listeners who are aspiring actors, or I don't even like really using the word, you're an actor. If you go to auditions and you're working, you're an actor. Um, talk to them about three things they should look for in a team. Um, I kind of switched that question up because you had already touched on it. Um, right. I said, how yeah. integral to your team? Yeah. Give them so, some tips. So <laughs> Yeah, it, it depends on who you are, where you are in your, your career. The, um, and I guess kind of to, and I'm, I have to bring in another question that you have asking because a lot of this conversation links together. Mm-hmm, you sure. have to know who you, who you are and what you want to do. Whether you want to do, I have a a nephew who is an actor, or wanted wanted to be an act involved in entertainment. Started as as an actor, went to UCLA, um, and his thing is he loves theater, and ultimately now he's becoming a director. He's at a postgraduate program at Brown University, and he's mm-hmm. in the directing program. Uh, but he loves theater, so he wants to do theater. He feels like um, he was working in a theater in L.A., and he's like, it's all old people. Where's the theater for young people? So it's not only just television, but where's the, the live theater? There's something very different that happens in your, in the writing and the dialogue with your imagination when you're in a theater space than when you're in a film and television space. And he discovered that he loves theater. So that path is very different than a film and television path. Right. Um, so you have to be clear on what it is that you want to do and what it is that you bring as a personality creatively. And then you, you build your team that helps support that vision or that agrees with that vision of what you want. Um, as an actor, it, it's about somebody who has the relationship to get you in the room. That initially, that's what, that's what I felt. And there's, there's two kinds of representation. And, and I've uh, always had, I'll say, more mid-level representation. I've never had uh, the very top level representation at that level. Those are those are people who can who do packaging and can kind of are star maker agencies. 
mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've never been involved in that kind of agency and, I, and so I can't, can't really say how you get into that position but for when you're in that group they really mold you that's an agency where they have writers and directors and they say hey we're making this film and we're going to put you in this film as part of this package that we sold and you know if you represent a star you say hey if you want this a-level star you have to take our c-level talent as well Mm. as part of a package and and so there's there's that certain level that works but for most actors it's about getting representation that can get you in the room that gets that can get you in front of people not only getting your picture submitted but you want somebody that can get you in the room in front of that casting person so they can see your work your picture they also help you figure out what is the right picture help you format your resume know what to wear whether it's commercially or dramatically there's different styles of picture that you have to take and they guide you with all of that stuff but then you have to be prepared so that when your representation gets you in the room that you have that casting person attention the person who's making the decision you have to do something in that something unique in that scene that you have or those few lines or whatever it is that's going to make them remember you. So that even if you don't get that role, they'll be like, because sometimes a role is cast, but the union requires that they see so many. Yeah, actors. yeah. So, so you're just in there because they have to see six people for this role, even though they already have an offer out to somebody. But if right. you make an impression, they may go, okay, this role is already done, but maybe they're good for this other role. or a month later, they're casting something else, and they say, "Oh, I remember this. I'm going to have them back in." And over time, you'll get seen. But you, you need a team, an agent, representation that's going to get you in front of people, that you have that in-person interaction. Um, uh, it, and I'll say this too now: that's something that's changing with the technology. As an actor, increasingly auditions are done what they call self-tape where when i started out it was only you would go in and you would meet with the casting director now they have you do a video and you submit that and the people look at the videos and again i would say take the time to have proper lighting have good sound because they're they're just speeding through videos first for a look and then once they see you then they'll go back and and um, really hear what you're doing or you know take the time because who knows how many hundreds of submissions that they're going through trying to cast this role right but um put put your put your best foot forward and and you have to have a representation that you feel comfortable with approachable um that you trust but that would be my advice too and I love that you pointed this out I always say um, because you know I'm always amazed today on Instagram when you see like 
um, in people's bio for bookings, contact. And then, you, you know, for me, sometimes I'm like, well, what do you do? Like, you know, everybody wants a manager. But you have to give people something to manage. Um, and I think that's essential. What Peter is saying you have to bring your your best because they can get you in the room, but you have to sell yourself. And it's similar to when, you know, with my writing business, I might write a resume for somebody and I've had people say, well, why am I paying you this much to do my resume? Can I get the job? You determine whether you get the job. <laughs> like All I can do is determine that your resume will be, you know, in order and correct. And so um, I really hope you guys are, are taking heed to this knowledge because things have changed and we have to be careful, which leads me into my next question. We have to be careful of letting reality television and Instagram fool us into thinking that the work has decreased. The hustle has has decreased. Um, and you could just kind of put up a video and be a star on YouTube or Instagram. We have to be mindful of that um, energy. And so um, and I always say, well, actually, um, I interviewed Tashina Arnold years ago and I remember her saying, you know what? show business takes care of me. And so I take good care of it. You have to take good care of the business that you're in. Um, and so with that, do you believe reality shows have watered down the industry and created a false depiction of what being an actor is? And if you, you know, do or don't, you know, kind of explain and elaborate on that. Okay. So working off that quote that you just said, where she said she takes care of the business. Uh, the business takes care of her and she takes care of business. It's a business. So the business of television is the commercials. Mm. That's that's what that's what it's really about. Um so reality shows the the, the stars of reality shows are not actors. Okay, uh -huh. they're, they're people, it, the reality shows are not, what they distort is they distort reality. In my opinion, they distort reality because it's not real. A lot of the scenarios are, even though it's not technically what you would call a scripted show, the scenarios are set up by the producers. And so they encourage a kind of conflict. The essence of the drama is conflict. So they set up scenarios and put personalities in rooms to create conflict. And you're you're watching people act out badly, but that's not what acting is. That's when when acting you have a scenario where you have writers and directors that are, you know, in the best sense, they, they are creating a story. It has a beginning, middle, and end. It has a theme. It has a message. It has a point, and you you are playing your part in telling that story. You are you are a piece to a a puzzle that has been designed by somebody, not a part of some chaotic moment that somehow editors are going to try and put together that will get eyes so that you can get your advertising dollars in. Mm -hmm. so in in my history in in daytime there just became a point where networks as cable and internet and different things started happening and there was no longer just three networks that people were watching and so they could guarantee that they would have so many tens of millions of viewers the viewership 
started going down, so ad revenue started going down, and they needed cheap content. Yeah, yeah. And so and so they started doing game shows and reality shows because it was less expensive to produce. That that's that's the reality of reality television. It is just less expensive to produce. You don't have to build sets. You don't have to hire writers and go through multiple drafts of scripts and lighting. You know, the technology of cameras is such that you don't need uh, great lighting. Now you can walk into a room and or a restaurant that's existing and shoot something and sort of fix it in post-production. So it, it, I think what it has done is lowered the expectation of the, of the audience yeah. in terms of what they're going to see on television. And um, there, there's, so that's, that's what I think the, the impact of reality yeah. television is and, and how we got there. And, and I'm not sure that there's any way out of it. This, there, there, will, there will always be a, a YouTube reality TV kind of thing, but that's not that's not acting, and that's not why I became involved in, in entertainment. Right, right, and it's not a bad thing, but you have to be responsible with the platform God trusts you with, and I think that's just the key. And it's okay to get. We've had some people get discovered on Instagram, and. Um, you know, go yeah, in terms of yeah, in terms of social media, there's you can there there's um now I I hear a lot of excuse me now I hear a lot of actors talk about their agents saying to them, You need you need to have a presence on social media. You need mm-hmm. to have a social media following because they look they look at that. I know that there is talent that uh, Tyler has used on his shows because um, they have large social media followers, mm-hmm. and 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 he picks people from there, and he picks people that are talented people from there, and he picks people that have followings because that helps promote what he's doing. Yeah. If you have if you have twenty thousand followers, or a hundred thousand followers or however many, you know, there's people that get paid for stuff, but also if you're on a show and you tweet to your followers or post on Instagram to your followers, Hey, I'm going to be on this show or I'm going to be in this movie. Come watch me. That's a, a, helps promote the person's product. So that's going to help you. But there's also in order for you to build that following, it requires a certain kind of discipline. It requires creating entertaining content. So hopefully you're building a skill or a reputation. You know, some are just looks, but if you're if you're talking about people in entertainment, you know, you're working on your craft. You're doing little skits that you have to write your little thirty second things or whatever to entertain people. And the the entertainment industry this is now it's bigger than abc nbc cbs it's bigger than it's it's in transition in that the streaming model i think is going to now begin to take over what we call cable television 
and it's going to be a lot of that uh, kind of on-demand viewing. It's going to be the the thing now. So you 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 can use it as a means of access to somebody else, or you can use your Instagram and social media as an opportunity to build your own platform. Exactly. That you're not dependent on uh, somebody else. Yeah. To hire you. Yeah, and I think that's what most people are doing it for. Okay, let's talk about you in this sailing across the seven seas. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mentioned that I lived in South Korea for a year, um, and I believe traveling is is key for creatives and artists, for anyone, but definitely creatives and artists. Um, I literally finished, uh, you know, a book while I was in Korea. So I think it really does something. But why sailing? And what is something that you've learned while uh, traveling? Okay. Sailing and traveling, two, two very different things. So sailing first, I learned on a kind of fluke in high school. And the mom was a sea scout. His mom was sick, couldn't take him. I had a car. Uh, was living in LA at the time. So I took him to Sea Scouts for two months. Never became a Sea Scout, but I learned to sail. I would sail periodically. A while ago, I got a small, a 22 foot sailboat with my dad that we had on a lake in Texas mm. for several years. And then later moved it out to LA Marina del Rey, where I realized I can actually sail places. And, uh, and I got a bigger boat. So I have. Uh, what's called a blue water sailboat, which means it, it can, it's designed to sail around the world in, in high seas, heavy seas. And I, it, it's a sailing is a, a spiritual experience for me yeah. mm -hmm. because you, um, I get out on the water and you're very aware of everything. You're very aware of the current, your, the wind, you have, there's a motor on the boat, but once I'm out of the marina, the sails are up and you're dependent on conditions. And there's just a lot of life lessons in sailing. You, you, can't, you never sail, rarely can you sail straight to where you're going. Mm -hmm. you, you have to tack. So even though you might be heading sort of you want to go north, but you have to go sort of northwest and then northeast and then northwest. And then you're making progress, keeping in mind your destination, but you can't sail straight there. And life is kind of like that. In terms yeah, of that. that's true. You, you keep your, you know your goal, you know your, where you'd like to go, but it's rarely a straight path to get there. You might have this side hustle and that side hustle and this internship that leads you to this associate position that takes you to another firm that finally gets you to the place you want to go. And when you sail, there's a sailboat near me and the name of it is It Depends. And somebody will say, well, how long does it take to sail, sail to Catalina? And the answer is, it depends. Depends on the depends on whether the winds are blowing at five knots or 15 knots, mm -hmm. you know, and, and life is like that. It depends on the conditions. You, you know where you want to go, but then you get out there 
and it might you might have great wind for the first two hours and then after that the wind dies and then you're just sort of sitting there going real slow and you have to be patient and you have to know so i love it i love being away i feel there's something i don't know what it is about the water or if it's just being away from all the technology and you know the microwaves or whatever it is but I just get refreshed when I'm out. And I've heard somebody say there's negative beyond on the water. And it has, I don't know all that, but there is something that just puts me in, in a different kind of connection. It's a very meditative space for me. And like I say, just very aware of wind and conditions. So that's part of what, uh, part of what I get from, from sailing. Uh, it's a very centering experience. Right. Now, in and reference travel, to travel, oh, sorry. Travel, yeah. I, love, I love experiencing, I love traveling outside of the U.S. and experiencing different cultures, different histories, seeing how different people live. Probably my, my favorite, most uplifting experiences travel to Africa, mm. um, especially Egypt. Um, my uh, kind of going back to the faith thing, you know, the, the, I say, I say the uh, biblically, I won't get it off the text. The Bible is an African book. It, 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 it all takes place in, in what, what used to be considered Africa and North Africa. And now they change the names of of uh, everything, but Egypt, Moses was trained in the wisdom of Egypt. They have seven, they talk about seven wonders of the world, but the, the only one still standing are in Africa, the, the, the pyramids of Giza. And if you go and you just see the history there that's carved in stone and uh, just understand what it, what even when, um, the scripture talks about the, 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 the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until I went to Egypt and saw the temples and understood what the inner court was and the outer court and the holy court and saw how it was structured and it was really explained that the that, that temples weren't where, were where the God lived, you know. And, uh, so just, just going there and experiencing and seeing the mummies with the kinky hair, the stuff that you don't see and understanding what Nubia was. And, you know, they say Africa is the cradle of civilization and the, all the libraries, the ancient libraries that they had that was burned that it wasn't until people got there that got the, the knowledge out of Africa that civilization expanded time time magazine had a thing where they talk about there's what in dna what they call the mitochondrial eve was a sub-saharan african woman which means everybody genetically according to science had to come could only have come from africa the, mm -hmm. old, the oldest um, remains of humans have, uh, are in africa so just that culture is very interesting. The next place I want to go is Ethiopia. Um, 
just because of the history of that uh, culture, and that's the only African nation that was never colonized. So there's a lot of history there, Axum, where they claim to have the Ark of the Covenant. Um, is is something I want to uh, experience there, and, and and actually their canon, their biblical canon, has more books in it. Then it's interesting as as the Bible gets uh, different trends, like the the Protestant Bible has less books in it than the Catholic Bible, because the Catholic Bible has the Apocrypha and different thing, and the and the Ethiopian Bible has other books in it as well beyond what the, the Catholic Bible has, you know, which I say is, you know, the, the, the European Bible is different than, um, than the Ethiopian Bible. So it's in there, our, our knowledge and, and understanding in the history of um, faith in God and, and Bible and Christianity um, is interesting that is differs depending on the part of the world that you live in mm-hmm. and and so it's experience to go to those those places and not only see the places but have conversations with people on their worldview their life view their philosophies uh, a trip uh, i took to haiti uh, in the early 90s with a group, they called it a reverse mission, where it was Christians from the wealthiest country going to be with Christians, the wealthiest country in the hemisphere going to be with Christians in the poorest country in the hemisphere to receive from them spiritual. So rather than going, we have all these material things, what can we buy you? What do you need from us? Learning from them how they live as a community of faith and gratitude in circumstances that we would consider terrible, you know, mm. and 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 uh, you don't you won't get that experience here in the U.S. You you have to travel outside of the U.S. to expand your understanding of what humanity is. Oh, I love it. I love it. So I do think. Um, and essentially traveling definitely to me. Um, and, you know, even when you talk about sailing, um, being a part of God's nature, essentially to me, traveling, sailing, all of it is being a part of God's nature and taking in it, it in, in a different way, different perspective, and even getting a stronger and better understanding of God when you go to different countries and even continents when you're just traveling. Um, so it's exciting. Have you ever been to South yeah. Korea? No, I haven't been to South Korea. I've, I've been to the only Asian countries I've been to. I've been to Philippines and I've been to Japan. Okay. But, uh, it was very I, interesting I to be there I, as a I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I was in Dubai recently and, and uh, went on a tour. And the people that were in the car with us was, were from South Korea. And they didn't speak any English, and I obviously don't speak any Korean. And the guy was had, was like an officer or something with the South Korean military. I learned from. But we had the best time sharing and communicating 
and not, but not being able to communicate with language. Mm-hmm. It was really, it was really, you know, an interesting whatever it was four hours as we went on this Dubai doom buggy and cultural experience. But that's the, that's my my closest. Yeah. You know, my closest friends there, um, we used an app to translate. You know, they knew basic words and I knew Ayang Haseo and Gum Samnita and, you know, Sarangam Nita and all of that, but that was it. I had like four words. <laughs> and okay. um, some of my best relationships. It, it, you know, it's like, granted, we didn't communicate in this clear understanding all the time. We used an app, but I still had the, the to me, they were like the way they even embraced me and welcomed me. You know, being a black woman in an Asian country, when you live there, it's very hard and challenging. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely you're right to me. Language, especially we were all Christians. That to me is the, the language. You know, we were able to talk in that sense of faith and then God did the rest, um, you know, where we lacked. <laughs> so, um, great experience. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to ask about family balance, but I want, I'm going to ask that after the game because I want you to close out the show telling people about like family balance in the industry. I think it'll be kind of fun to, uh, you know, do the family balance um, as a closing out point. Cause I always say, do you guys have anything to uh, share to close out? And some people be like, well, you asked me everything. So I feel like saving that question for last um, would kind of help. I don't don't know that I have a great closing answer, but. (laughs) Oh, family balance. Well, or we can do the um the best fan moment and, and greatest on screen moment as the last one that either way. Either way. We can do it however you can put it whatever order you wanna Okay. You wanna go Okay. So, so now, because you know, I know just a few more minutes, you've given me a lot of your time okay. on a Saturday morning, but game time. And I know you say game you're time. bad, but it's it's really fun. I mean, I've had people get six out of ten. I've had people, you know, the good thing is that I don't time you. My first one, I timed him. Um, but we grew up together, and he's an actor. He's like my brother, and so he got timed. But, <laughs> but he did good. But um, it'll be fun. So uh, I have ten questions and a bonus question, and we'll run right through them. And I will give you hints simply because this one is not multiple choice. So that doesn't really help. Okay. Um, so are you ready for the game segment? Okay. All right. Oh, boy. I, I'm not ready, but ready or not, here it comes. <laughs> All right. So the first one is, what is the name of Will Smith's character in Independence Day? Now, come on. I mean, some of these are really easy. But Will oh, Smith's I, character. I, he's I a captain. It's, okay. The first name starts with an S. But it's Captain. I, I don't even. I don't even. I don't have the slightest clue. Okay, it's Captain Stephen Hiller. Now, see, I chose some questions I thought would be pretty easy because everybody saw Independence Day. <laughs> so. Okay, so so let me so let me say this: why why I'm why I'm going to be terrible at this? Some people watch movies like more than once. I don't. Okay. Got it. No I, I am. I, I am. I am not. Oh shoot! I didn't realize the time. Yeah, that's why I was saying I wanted to because I realized the time was. <laughs> okay. 
Um, yeah, I've got it at two o'clock. But um, okay, so I'm 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 going to be terrible at this. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'll shorten it. I'll, I'll be the first one to get none. But go ahead. I'll shorten it because you have two o'clock, and um, yeah. I definitely want to pray over you before we exit because um, it's just what I do. All right. So we're gonna skip down. What year was Forrest Gump released? That's oh my gosh, what year? I want to say. I know it was. My, in the 90s early, early 90s. 90s i know it's early 90s i would say 94. go ahead very good ding ding so you got one right <laughs> ding ding okay there okay. you go yeah so I was what like you trying to get up my we had the video my kids love that movie yeah. but anyway go ahead what year was the song my heart will go on from titanic released that was the celine dion one um, and I think it, it helps to know, I think it was around the time of the movie, but I guess the song was released first. So, uh, okay. My Heart Will Go On, Celine Dion oh. from Titanic, what years? It's, it's late 90s, I'll give you that. Yeah, I know the movie was late 90s, probably like so 97, 98. Well, there so you go. The, the, the song, okay. So, yeah, so the movie was around 97. <laughs> okay, and the, so the, yeah. okay. You got that one. See, look at you. It was, did it, was it before it, the, the song came out before the movie? So I'm guessing the reason why this question was worded this way, because I thought the same thing. I was like, didn't it come out at the same time? But you know how sometimes a song comes out and then they add it to a soundtrack? I'm right. guessing that's okay. what they meant. Yeah, guess what they meant. Because um, like, uh, I, will, I will always love you like the, from the bodyguard, Whitney Houston. That was the Dolly Parton song before. Okay. All right. Which '90s movie featured the Looney Tunes on its soundtrack? You gotta know this. Oh my goodness! Why are we doing '90s movies? Well, because that, was that, was that space, I was asked. Space jam? I, there you go. Very good. I was asked not to date okay. you. So I didn't want to go all the way back. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I probably couldn't remember. The year yeah, that movies came out. You're doing in the good. 70s. Yeah. But I, I only remember that because of Michael Jordan. Movie. Yeah. Movie and I was going to give you a hint. I was going to say uh, uh, Michael or Shaq. Okay. Which 90s movie soundtrack, and you just said this, so you should know it. Which 90s movie <laughs> soundtrack best is the best selling soundtrack of all time? You just mentioned the movie. Bodyguard. There you go. All okay. right. Which well, see, we doing good here. Which '90s movie? Okay. I'm not totally <laughs> Which '90s movie featured the songs "My God, uh, My Guy, My God," and "I Will Follow Him, Follow Him Wherever He May Go"? Whoopi Goldberg. Mm. There were two of them. The movies. Was it, was it Ghost? No. Remember the singing? Okay, the nun. the nun. The nun. Oh, oh. What's that? Habit? Yeah. You said it. I think it sounded like you said yeah, it. Yeah, some, some habit. No, Sister Egg. <laughs> sister Egg. Oh, Sister Egg. Now you have yeah. to know that one. Oh, my yes. gosh. Sister oh my Egg. God. Okay. Yes. No worries. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was Sister Egg, too. But, yes, yeah, Sister Egg, when the nuns were singing, I will follow you, you know. Um, okay. Okay. 
So last two, what were the three songs? Then this might be crazy, so I'm gonna give you a hint. But what were the three songs the band Aerosmith sung for the 1998 movie Armageddon? Armageddon, and I, I mean I love this song, but um, the I'll I'll try to sing some of it. Um, I don't wanna close my eyes. I wanna fall asleep as I miss you, babe. But I. That's like the title, so that's why I didn't finish it. <laughs> you know, I don't even think I don't even think I saw that movie Armageddon. Okay. Okay, so, so I, three... I, I'm gonna have to pass on this one. No, no worries. Eric Smith. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's it was a very good movie. That 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 but... thing is like guessing Will Smith's character's name. Um, okay. No problem. <laughs> All right, in this one, um, you know, rest in peace to Robin Williams. What movie was Robin Williams' first animated film? Hence, it was not Aladdin. Um, so he did an animation before Aladdin, and I think a lot of people confused the two. Excuse me, and this is actually the last one. So I can give you a hint. Um, the subtitle is called The Last Rainforest, but there was a title for it. The Last Rainforest. That was a subtitle. Yeah. And it was Robin Williams' first animated film. And it came out. Let me try to help you there. I can even give you maybe another cast member in 92. Um, uh, What's the other cast member that you would know? Uh, Christian Slater was in it. Yeah. Um, Slater. I'm trying to think of uh, Animated movies with Robin. It was adapted from a book. The book was the the same name. Oh, Um, oh, oh, shoot. I know what it is. I I think I. It starts with an F. Yes, Fern. And then G. What's something we call people when you're from Brooklyn? Fern Gully? Yes. Fern Gully? Is that it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I was like, you from Brooklyn. You know how they say, get gully, get gully. I was <laughs> trying to give you, <laughs> I was trying to give you a hit. Okay. okay. That was, you know what? That was really good. I only skipped two. And so nine okay, and you got good. like seven out of nine. I mean, you really work hard okay. on yourself. I think it were pretty oh, hard. You okay. So really quickly, best fan moment. And then I'm going to pray for you and close out. So what was your best fan moment to date? Oh, to be, I thought it was a, a self-related question. I was going to say I enjoyed the the fan luncheon that we would do uh, with when I was on As the World Turns. That mm. kind of contact was really was really great. We had fans come out, and you would really get to spend time with. Now we have, you know, social media. You don't you don't even get letters now. You know, you tweet. Mm-hmm. The little thing, which is a certain kind of instant reaction, but I think those luncheons where you would get time to really kind of sit and talk with fans, some some of the people were performing, and you would just the sense of appreciation um, during daytime because you were like an everyday part of people's lives, right? Um, and then you got to meet those people. I don't know that I could say one single specific moment, but okay. just 
those those fan luncheons would be uh, high on my at the list. top of my list of fan experience. Okay. Well, I want to just say thank you, Peter, for joining me. Thank you for going over time. And I know you're a busy man, and I really uh, appreciate that you just took this time. Um, I know sometimes with me having this new platform, people want to see what celebrity interviews you've done in the past. And although I've done quite a few, um, including a magazine cover story, sometimes people still want you to prove yourself. So I appreciate that you said yes uh, to a young lady in a platform that you did not know. Um, but in closing, I would like to pray with you. And then when we're done, you can share with everyone how to follow you. Um, like I just followed you on Twitter. So <laughs> I don't know if you have an IG or not, but you can just kind of share your information. Um, but I just want to pray first, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. So, Father God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this fellowship. And I thank you for this platform. I always say that it's yours to do with you what you wish and to bring me those that you want me to interview because you know that they're going to put you on the map. They're going to give you glory. They're going to make Jesus famous. So I thank you for Peter's life and his legacy. And I thank you for, um, you know, his parents that you had given him to be there and to pour into him and him being in this industry. But I also thank you, Lord, that um, we tend to think when we meet actors and celebrities that that's everything that they are. But I know people who they still have childhood dreams of owning a business or working in tech. And so, Lord, only you know those things that he's prayed about and that he's whispered to you in the dead of night. And so I thank you, God, that you're going to give him all the desires of his heart while he's here. I ask that you keep him and his family, keep a hedge of protection around them. And I, I pray Psalm 91 over them. Um, I thank you, Lord, that he has this legacy to share with others, but that he also recognizes that he's in ministry. And as he continues to serve uh, on the show that has and the have nots. I thank you for, you know, opening even new doors for him and allowing him the opportunity with his production company and his partnerships to give others the same opportunities he was afforded. So we just thank you. We praise you. I ask that you continue to, um, take him from glory to glory and give him all that he needs, all the resources while also helping him to tap into his hidden gifts in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So tell everybody. Um, so, yeah, yeah. As, actually, there's something else I'd like to share. I, I've got a, sure. um, a Christian themed comic book called Kids of the King, K I D Z of the King. And if you go to kidsofthekings.com, you can uh, see that. It's a comp, you mentioned it in the introduction. It's Angels Disguised as Teenage Superheroes. And uh, I have uh, somebody else who's had, had created it, and now I have it. I'm working with them, the buyers out of Philly. I was just about to say, I know, yes, I used to work at the Free Library of Philadelphia, and I literally, I don't know whether I met one of them or someone gave me the information, and I remember them being Philadelphians, and I was so proud of them, and I want to say I met them, they they talked to me, and so when you said it, when I saw it, I wasn't sure if it was the same one until I just Googled it, and I'm like, oh my God, that's the buyers, look at the small world. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, so. If you can, you and your viewers can check that out, listeners, check out Kids of the King. Um, that would be, you know, um, it's interesting because it's a multicultural, faith-based, Christian-based um, stories in 
for talk about barrels. I just had issues, challenges getting distribution. So I'm self-distributing it, going to churches and distributing through churches and through the website. So we'll, hopefully some things will change with getting a wider distribution. I won't go into the full story behind that, but I'm, it's something I'm really proud of. Uh, have some great, a great artist working on it. The buyers are still writing the stories, great messages um, for kids. So that's one thing. And in terms of social media, my Instagram is uh, official Peter Peros. And then Twitter is uh, just at Peter Peros. And uh, I have a, uh, a, Peter, uh, a, a Facebook page that I'm on sometimes, a, a fan page that I don't do that. Usually I live tweet with the show on Twitter. But, um, and I'm trying to think of how to, um, I think you can tell that, that there's a Facebook page that has all my media contact, my uh, yes, so. that's the one that's really me because there's another one that's not me. But yeah, yeah I see that they verified you official Peter Paros, and when you click on about in that section, you will see his publicist, his uh, 10 Talents production, um, his Instagram link, and his Twitter. So it takes you uh, to all of them, but I think the website uh, isn't active the 10 talents productions but uh 10, yeah, talents, 10 Produ talents productions yeah that's that is currently not active. that kids of the king is uh is what's active right now okay um yes kids of the king okay make sure i'm gonna put everything in the um in the little bio section when I upload the, the episode, it'll be there. So um, make sure you guys follow. Thank you guys for listening in. And just, I hope all of these gems were helpful and useful. Um, and Peter, don't go anywhere. I'm going to end the, end the podcast, but don't go anywhere. And so thank you guys so much for joining us. And we will see you next Sunday. <laughs>